<coughs> so, although there are many different meditation techniques, and uh, we really broaden the area to what we call meditation, devotional practices, um, pilgrimages, commitments, dhamma commitments, whereby you keep persevering in certain forms. And that's chanting, praying, bowing, sitting, breathing in and out, you know. So you kind of meditate really comes to the word meaning to repeat, Latin word meaning to repeat. So something you do it again and again with a sense of persistence. Mm-hmm. And the aim of it always is towards release. So we're not trying to persistently get more obsessive, <laughs> knotted up and stuck in ourselves. <laughs> So it's the persistence that towards release. So persistence is like energy and towards that sense of releasing. Mm-hmm. And there are many different systems you can use, so it can get very confusing. So I tend to use the basic one that the Buddha seemed to consider most suitable and central, as a mindfulness of breathing. Mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of breathing. Uh, but to get an overview, <coughs> That's less technical, more colloquial, but something that will cover all of it is a, what I call like a three three stage, three phase process. First is pay attention. Get your attention really earth grounded, so it's not scattering. You know. Second is uh, widen, soften. This is to do with the the boundaries of our attention, widening it. So, (coughs) softening, because we can feel ourselves getting very, the quality of grasping or attachment has got a sort of magnetic pull to it and we get quite intense with that. So you're just easing that and any places you find in yourself that seemed, you know, uh, obsessive or stuck or dragging you in or winding you up, closing you down, focusing, paying attention, widening, softening. And the third phase, uh, including it all. So pay attention, widen, soften, include it all. So including it all is the holistic uh, development, including our whole body, then we start to include aspects of our mind, heart, as- aspects of our conditioning, our places of desperation or naughtiness, tightness, shame, fearfulness, grudges, craving, ambitions, pride, wounds and so forth. You start to include it, not, not to obsess with it, but in order to bring that healing touch of grounding, being with that, not reacting, widening, softening, including it. So included all that <coughs> in that process. So this is a purification. is a nice way of looking at a practice, you know, or, or you know, rather than rather than getting somewhere, purifying, clearing the karma, clearing the results, uh, clearing through the ignorance. Now, this term ignorance, this is considered in Buddhism to be the prime uh, 
mover, the prime originator of our suffering. It's not that we're evil or fatally flawed or sinful, but we, there is this quality of not knowing, ignorance or avijja. Remember, these are all translations. So you word, use word like ignorance, sounds like it's a, an insult. You're all stupid, <laughs> thick. <laughs> or that that can be cured by more information, you know, which is that normal understanding of ignorance being a cognitive problem. You didn't know how to mend a bike. You didn't know how to do geometry. You didn't know how to whatever. So here's how to do it. But uh, that, that's only ignorance in regard to cognitive sense, which isn't really the prime problem. Though it helps to have some you know, cognitive savvy in terms of meditation. The main thing is, is ignorance not being in touch with or not being aware of or being shut off from something that's released, that is boundless, free, pure, or it's a... Yeah, the Buddha said there is this, the deathless, the unconditioned. And we don't know that, we're not in touch with that, we've lost touch with it. Yeah. So because of this, what is happening is that uh, we're our, our centre, our centre of attention is always going into our do-it programmes. Our, and, and also the stuff that is there to compensate for not being in touch with, uh, with uh, freedom, with purity, with release, with the unconditioned. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't, don't know what this deathless unconditioned is. Maybe it's just an idea. Who knows? Maybe the Buddha got it wrong. Um, what we can know, perhaps more certainly, is where we get tight, edgy, Flustered, defensive, rattled, you know, somewhere or another. Could be we feel ashamed of ourselves, inadequate, you know, or we can feel irritated by other people or whatever, you know. You've got to prove yourself, or you get this kind of hardening, tightening, speedy, or you get something you feel yourself caving in. That's not good, is it? (laughs) Does anybody enjoy that experience? So we say, well, forget about unconditioned deathless nibbana. You know, maybe that's just the Buddha got it wrong. But this is what we can know. We can know this, this dukkha, this suffering, and we want to get past that or through that. Now, whatever you know, the Buddha said there is a way through this. So that's interesting. You know, let, let's forget what's on the other side. Is anything on the other side or not? You know, perhaps that's the wrong way of looking at it. But a way out of this stress state this agitated state, this regret state, this attack, defend state, trying to prove oneself state, uh, not feeling you've done enough state, (laughs) always wanting something from other people state, fearing other people state, (laughs) wanting and fearing at the same time. (laughs) Stuff that goes on. Because, you know, we're looking for something that will give us that place of really really okay and uh, you know we don't feel it so there's a kind of almost going to say some intuition that it it could be could it be another way and this really was the Buddha's uh, trigger he's saying well I've got all this you know I've got my palace my nice place I'm positioned as a prince so forth 
um, yeah, yeah. Why, why, not, why aren't I really blissed out and happy and contented? I'm not. You know, is there a way? Is there a way beyond this? Old age, sickness, death, separation from the love, not getting what we want, getting what we don't want, being separated from what we liked. And said, so is this common enough factor, isn't it? So is there a way past this? And he's saying, well, I'm going to try. You know, I'm going to try it. So he tries to cultivate a way past this. And then uh, over periods of time, practices, he finds, yes, there is a way past this. And I'll teach this to others. And basically, he taught fundamentally, you know, this truth of dukkha, which I've kind of given very many terms for, stress, holding on, you know, defence, and saying, you know, there's a way through this. And this is our, this is the accurate point that we can all acknowledge, and to say that there is a way through this. Mm. Now, as we begin to, uh, as the Buddha himself recognise, you know, old age, sickness, death, these are not so easy, separation from the light isn't very pleasant, being associated with what one dislikes, you know, cold, pain, uh, bites and things and that, and not getting what, or being separated from what you like, suffering. But there's another thing he said, was even more fundamental than that, and he said this thing called the five, five, what he called aggregates, this is where you start to go a little bit foggy. What aggregates? Uh, and this is the things that are with the, an identity gets built around form, physical form. I am this. This is mine. I, you know, I want it to be comfortable. It isn't. Um, feeling. I like to have pleasant, comfortable feeling. I get that sometimes, but then it's also got a cousin called unpleasant feeling who keeps barging in. You can't have one without the other. It's part of the family. <laughs> you get all three. Pleasant, unpleasant and neutral. And there's a big sense of self that occurs around that. You know, oh, I'm being got at. That painful feeling. Well, I want more of that. You know, pleasant feeling. This neutral stuff's a bit boring. It's something else. You know. <laughs> so this is, you know, how this... And this sense of an identity gets built as a d- dynamic relationship to the unsatisfactoriness of the dukkha of body, of feeling. You know. It gets built in relationship to that, you know, to the unsatisfactoriness of it. Perception. Perception means our immediate impressions of things, friendly, unfriendly. You see someone's face, he looks unfriendly, you know. What are you actually seeing? You're seeing an unfriendly, you're seeing a face with particular eyes and mouth, and you, you interpret that expression as unfriendly. Could be, maybe, hmm. maybe not. Yeah. Certainly, you know, smiling people aren't always friendly. <laughs> That's something we, we learn after a while. Smiling, happy, open-faced people could be uh, deceits, you know. So, in our perceptions of ourselves and of others, changes. Uh, what's a nice day? What's a good food? What's a pleasant taste? Pretty subjective perceptions. 
so all these things but a sense of self gets aggregated around that mm. we build up a certain profile of what we consider nice and agreeable as a navigation guide I like this on a Monday I want this and this is the kind of way I like my coffee and that and that and that's kind of becomes part of my identity mm. my lifestyle uh, and of course it doesn't always work out that way so we get things happening that we don't like and uh, coffee turns up not the way we like it and uh, food isn't quite the way we want it and the weather isn't the way we expected it to be and (laughs) come to sunny South Africa they say (laughs) I'm going to tell the truth when I get back So, you know, you get this sense of somebody getting formed in that who is feeling a bit, you know, why can't it be the way I want it to be? Mm. And the last one is, so these is consciousness, which is always bringing things in, bringing in sight, sounds, touch, taste. And I seem to be, I'm the thing that seems to be getting all this stuff. The sights and the sounds are happening to me. The thoughts are happening to me. I'm on the receiving end of consciousness. Wherever I go, it follows me, dumping more things into me. <laughs> some of them are quite pleasant. You know, I look for the pleasant ones, some of them are not so pleasant. But I can't say, okay, that's enough of feeling things for the day. <laughs> Consciousness just goes ahead and does it. You can feel this whether you like it or not. You know, you have a toothache, so okay, I got the message, tooth's, tooth's bad, I'll get it taken care of. But that's not good enough, it keeps hurting. You know, you don't say, okay, thanks for the reminder, I'll get that sorted in a couple of days' time when I've got time. No, it keeps going, <laughs> stabbing away. Or even you can't do anything about it. You know, you say, okay, I'm so- sorry about that, but you know, the consciousness keeps throwing it at you. So you feel on the receive- receiving end of that, and that isn't, that's a bit of a mixed blessing. Pleasant, unpleasant, but the pleasant. You know, you get that kind of wanting more, and the unpleasant you want less. So the Buddha said, this is unsatisfactory. Not wrong, evil, bad, terrible, but just not satisfying. You don't get the feeling of completion through that. So he said, and all this, the, the, the residue of all of that, the five, form, feeling, perception. Oh, got one. Consciousness. Big one is Sankara, the um, energies or energetic formations, which are our cognitive patterns such as our ideas and strategies our plans, our aims where we map out our life that's a sankara, it's an energetic formation, we create something on a cognitive level it's also emotional we get that sense of that emotional rising, lifting you know, for, you know love, hate uh, happiness gentleness that comes up, unskillful ones resentment, grudges Keeps, yes, those are sankharas, those are heart energies, head energies, heart energies, you get them in your body too. So we're trying to explain. So we meditate on this. And we're the one, again, who feels either that they are that, that energy, you know, I'm really angry, I'm really happy, I want to feel that good feeling again, I want to have that rush of joy that I had the other week. Again, that kind of, mm, I like that one. A hit of it. 
So we are, are that, or we or we find ourselves kind of uh, avalanched by it all. You're sitting here, and all this energy is whacking in with uh, impulses and stuff that feel moving around in your heart and in your body. So it's both active and passive. You both receive it and you do it. And often we start doing stuff in order to to uh, get away from or quell the other stuff. Yeah. So like meditation is, is, is using sankhara. So as you, you deliberately start to direct your attention, that's sankhara, that's, it, that's intention, which is sankhara and energy, towards steadying and calming. So in a way you're, you're actually imposing something. You're, you're definitely transmitting a particular signal, an impulse, an attention into your body, into your mind. And just steady, calm, you know. And it has good results. It's called a good one. Hmm? A good one. But naturally there is some kind of sense of identification with that because sometimes you can't quite do it very well. So you think, I'm not a very good meditator or not strong enough or whatever. Or sometimes you can do it very well and even worse, you think, I am a good meditator. (laughs) 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 And I'm probably an enlightened being, you know. Because you've got, you've got a few Sankaras going. <laughs> so you get this kind of delusion and uh, inflation. <laughs> so that's one extreme. The other is the delusion and the deflation, where you're just pathetic, you know, miserable wreck. So you've got to be wa- wary of these, the identification with all this. You know. And there's no way we can just start out without identification. So you, you, know, you start out just doing the best you can lining up your act as best you can with that sense of paying attention to your meditation object, also to the way you're, so you widen meditation object, what that's about, so you deepen into that, then also you start to sense how you're doing it, you know, because that very much affects it, doesn't it? If you're pushing or tightening up or you're kind of half-hearted about it, so when is it steady? You know, so you're paying, widening your attention to include the subject and the object as you as you practice meditation. And then it does come into a very pleasant, agreeable uh, formation, sankara, called samadhi, which is a conditioned phenomenon. And considered a very helpful place for release from other stuff. You know, it's there we don't get the uh, restless thinking mind and so on. We learn some of the skill of softening, of widening, through uh, meeting our uh, dullness, when we're closing down our obsessiveness, coming to the space behind that, into we call it uh, into awareness, which is, you could say, a function of consciousness or an aspect of conscious process, the, the heart of it. Mm. Including it all is a very helpful, uh, though though challenging, uh, theme, because when we include it all, we we're always coming up against the edge of what we don't include, you know, of what uh, uh, the mind habitually excludes. 
so habitually you don't, we don't even know we're excluding it. You know, it becomes uh, a reflex. You know, the mind, the mind. Remember that the mind and attention, mind and attention, is always a limited, ex- limited experience. That's what that's what it does. It it it, it carries a focus so there's always something left out of that focus I can't see the back of my head Uh, so it's always limited so just to acknowledge that that's nothing not a problem you know it's not something wrong with you just that's that particular function does that so you you know So when we soften it, you just kind of start to come to that place of using that power of attention, paying attention to get the steadying effect, the calming effect. And then you start to soften the boundary of attention. It's just like you're gazing at a one particular point and then without losing that point, you widen your visual focus, something like that. Maybe not very far, just a little bit. Yeah. So that general widening of attention and a a softening of one's attitude you're no longer so honed in on a particular thing and that uh, does mean that various other sankharas or energies come to light now this again this sankhara thing uh, can be either deliberate and conscious conscious intentions things we decide upon some of it can be unconscious, my unconscious reflex of embarrassment, my unco- unconscious or semi-conscious sense of not feeling good enough, uh, my unconscious sense that it's all up to me to do it, you know, I've got to get in there and do it, I'm, I'm, it's all my responsibility. If we're programmed, you know. So, and, and, and we can generally see each other's stuff like, Wow, she really takes on a lot, doesn't she? You know, um, and and you realise, oh, she's the one who's good. I'll give her something more to do because she's the one who always does a lot. <laughs> That's her program. And other people just, you know, like, oh wow, <laughs> the program doesn't do that. <laughs> so we can sometimes see each other people's stuff. <laughs> we don't see our own. It helps to be. That's why it's helpful to be in a group, in a community, because you start to see how you know. You start to see your behaviour against other people, and it's not right or wrong. It's just, oh, that's that's the me forming, isn't it? You know, that's the me forming. So when we widen, sometimes it's helpful to, to include other people because you start to see there's not just one take on things. There's a whole range of it, and. Um, what can we learn? What can we learn from uh, nature? What can we learn from something around the world around us and how we're operating? How much do we exclude? So in that, um, you, you get what can occur is that you begin to see some of these programs that become compulsive. You know, Maybe you do it. You do it program can be pretty compulsive because that's one that gets a lot of a lot of thumbs pushing on that one. You know, do your school, do your job, do your do 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 do. 
boom, 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 you know, so you could, that one is probably flaring like crazy a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, and there's always you've never, never done enough. So there could be that one. Could be the inadequacy program running. Can't do it. Should do it, can't do it. Uh, yeah, various things. But as you, this may seem, well, who wants to know that anyway? But <laughs> the point about it is as you begin to just recognize those or acknowledge that without identifying with it. And saying that's, that's a program, that's what it is, a program. You know, that quality of, of acknowledgement allows you something kind of steps out of it, something isn't in it. And there's a sense of joy lightness, humour and release. So it's these programs most specifically if there's one thing specifically that you can all you can say this is the one you have to release yourself from and you can release yourself from is Sankara. You can't really release yourself from feeling. You know, you're always going to feel pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. You know, even the Buddha felt that. It could get to certain stages of meditation absorptions where it didn't happen. That's kind of, you know, sort of cheating a bit, really. <laughs> you can't release yourself from form until, until, until the, the show is over, anyway. <laughs> consciousness, yep, you're going to have that going. Perceptions, as part of consciousness, you always you have to have perceptions, otherwise you be, you know wouldn't know anything at all. What you can release yourself is from sankara. And first of all, you're looking at the really afflictive ones. So it's a healing process, isn't it? My overreach, or my, which makes me feel exhausted, or my whatever, you know, we call this karma, past karma, it's in there. And that, you begin to see that because, particularly as you're meditating, you know, those programs start to nudge in and take over the meditation. How good am I? You know, not good enough, could I do better? You know, why me? And you probably get these memories come up. So all this stuff starts to more is peak in anyway as you meditate. And then, you know, first of all, you're sort of paying attention. So we just step to one side for a moment, you know, let me... So you've got to do it in a sense of sequence, build up the attention so that then you can address these really maladapted um, programs which may have had a relevance at one time. You know, okay, you were, there was a need to be busy, to be busy, but now stop. You know. There was a reason to feel guilty. Okay, you did something wrong, enough. Recognise it now, it's enough of that. You don't want to keep it running all the time. When they're maladapted, they get, they get stuck as, as my sense of self. If I wasn't worrying about something, that would be a source of concern. You know, when you're a worrier, I think, I'm not having worried today. Oh dear, I'm worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> Something must be going wrong somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, these are the things you start to... Who's that? Who's that? So, 
So as you get your attention steadier, then that ability widening is, is starting to include these. Who is that? Metta, kindness, openness, patience. Breathing in and out through it so that those, those ones can start to gently deconstruct. And what's left is a greater sense of inner space, some joy, some ease. And you get encouraged in, the, in that process. Oh, that's the process. You know, it's a little bit embarrassing, but I can get through it, and wow, I feel better. So then, let's do some more, you know. That's, that's the path to the deathless. <laughs> you know, that way. Now, releasing these things is a bit like, you know, stretching a stiff sinew. They don't just suddenly go all flexy and loose in one shot. You know, you may have to exercise it. Yeah. So part of that is understanding the process. It's a soft process. It's not a brutal process. Yeah. So we develop patience with that. Then. But certainly this is the quick way to do it. Meditation is the high speed way. only takes you 10 years. <laughs> could be less. And the Buddha, someone was reminding me the other day, the Buddha said you could do this in seven days. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think you've got to be pretty flexy sinews to get it done in seven days. <laughs> Some of them are so stiff they feel like bones, you know. <laughs> so yeah, perhaps you could. If you could actually even access them. Some of you don't even know that they're there. They're so buried. You know? So it starts to come to light. Process, process, process. And other stuff comes up, you know. And so you start to acknowledge that, you know how we are in relationship with other people, you know, whether we, how comfortable we are mm, with other people, and how we are when we get things wrong. Everybody makes mistakes. Do we go into immediate kind of abject apology, cringing, denial, defense, or just say, well, yeah, that was the mistake, okay. You know? So you start to kind of, while well, you want to open your meditation to include it all, to clear these experiences. And also the process is, 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 is not self. In other words, you can't really say, now I'm going to work with my this issue or that issue. You know, it tends to be the ones that come up. They kind of have their own priority. You may think you want to work with my feeling of something or the other, my this particular program, instead something else comes up. So you've got to actually deal with what's presently arising. Because we sometimes consider things that are actually rather small problems to be major, and there's a whopping great issue sitting right behind us that everybody else can see. (laughs) We don't notice it. So I remember one time I'm uh, just talking personally, you know, somebody's asking me, well, why don't you just, just contemplate, find yourself, what's in yourself is the most, look into your mind and heart, find what's the most important thing, the most important thing, the really single most important thing, yeah, right, most important thing, most important thing. 
That's an important, important thing. That's an important thing. Work, duty, most important thing. It's tightening up as soon as you use the word important thing. Most important thing. The most important thing is to relax. <laughs> You've got to remember this practice is too important to take it seriously. <laughs> It's much too important, much more important than your seriousness. <laughs> now we're getting to Zen. <laughs> yeah. Because part of it, you know, we, we can actually lose the enjoyment faculty. We all have an enjoyment faculty. So meditation is not enjoyment, it's meditation is serious, work, deep, you know, committed, stuff like that, important, serious work, grimmer and grimmer and grimmer. You know, into it, and then, oh, I can I get away from this meditation? I can have a bit of peace and peace of mind. Go out and <laughs> watch the birds, play frisbee. You know, suddenly loosen up, do some dancing. Hey, I feel better now. You know, what happened? We left, you know, we left some of the stuff out, didn't we? We left the play, we left the enjoyment, we left the the self acceptance, we left the sense of gentle celebration. You know, I'm here. Nobody's giving me a hard time. It's peaceful, it's dry, I'm not getting rained on, you know, just breathing in and out, chilling out, wonderful, you know, so we start to get serious about it all, and I think, you know, in your serious program, then what yours does, mine goes into responsibility, duty, make it work, harder, (laughs) that's what mine does, yeah, so that's not bad, that's not bad, but as, you, as the only tune you can play, it's a bit bleak. <laughs> you know, it's a bit limited, isn't it? There's room for that, but then there's also, where's the, where's the innocence gone? Where's the freshness gone? So you see, even these quite noble, seemingly, cognitive patterns, they're not wide enough. They're not wide enough. So you come to something wider, which is your heart sense. How do you feel comfortable, at peace with yourself, as best you can? You know? And in your bodily sense. Mm. Now when we are widening and listening, developing that listening sense, sometimes you, you can get down to quality of spaciousness and gentleness and a kind of soft sense of compassion. But take it a bit further, you know. Take it a bit further. So come into remember the, the body sense is 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 more primary. Come down into feeling in your belly, your breathing, palms of your hands. You know. so is there anything there that's still pushing or tightening? because even the emotional sense can have uh, agitations in it and uh, so we're coming taking the whole thing right way through listening deeply through the body including it all so include it all we're really including 
these what are called the five aggregates form, feeling, perception, sankharas, consciousness most important one is the sankhara the most dynamic one the one that's really going to you know, be able to shift perceptions also challenging your perceptions yes, is that true? or is I just seeing it that way? Hmm? challenging those but then it's really the sankhara you start to, to acknowledge is where you're getting very much formed around that And you can feel these at a somatic level when you meditate. You can feel, say, you know, around the edges of your chest or your throat, particularly the soft tissues tend to, because they're the more uh, responsive, uh, sensitive areas, they tend to tighten or flare or, or compress with a lot of this, these energetic forms running through your body, so around your face. It's coming to that. And sometimes as things happen, you've got no words for you just feel this strange pressure in your chest or you know something kind of the side of your face and just go there focus on it but don't go into it but touch and then widen just keep widening to include the whole area so you let the energy move you don't if you focus on it too intensely you tend to compress it what you want to do actually is more like a massage where you start to soften and spread so then the energy can can release and sometimes that helps with things like physical pain also as you, you widen over the whole area so the energy in that has a way to, to move and discharge mm. and it's uh, sometimes in our emotional struggles just feel how you're feeling in your body feel a bit sick in your stomach disturbed go to that area, widen include your whole body, come back into your back your spine where you get the strength opening, widening, including it mm-hmm. and it will if include it so that it goes it can go to the place of, of running through and discharging releasing itself ok so let's have some Time for some practice.